It is I that moves over the waters at the genesis of life at the very beginning. And it is I who calls out at the end with the bride at the climax of revelation, come! I am Ruach HaKodesh in Hebrew, Reuach Hagil in Greek, the spirit that is holy. I am the Holy Spirit. And I have been waiting for just such an opportunity for millennia to finally get something off my chest once I had one. Please, please stop calling me it. I mean, I realize that of the three of us, I'm the most mysterious. I like to think of myself as the fun side of the Trinity. <laughs> and I realize I don't have a given name like my other counterparts. Yeshua's got a name, the one you call Jesus. He's got a name, it's Yeshua. He's got a very nice supplemental name too, Emmanuel, lovely. Of course, our other third is Yahweh, a, a powerful, mysterious name in and of itself, and then he's also known as Elohim, El Shaddai, Adonai, then he's got all those flavors of Yahweh, Jireh, Rapha, I mean, how many names does one entity need? You'd think you could spare just one for me. But no, I'm known solely by my substance and my functions. I'm the spirit, or usually the Holy Spirit, so there's that. And thank me the Holy Ghost days are over. I am not a ghost. I'm also known by my functions. I'm the comforter, I'm the counselor, I'm the helper. You know, if I wasn't secure in who I am, I'd be having an identity crisis. I mean. Your internal organs have better names than I do. I mean, you don't have a pumper, you've got a heart. You don't have breathers, you've got lungs. It, it, may, not, it, it may sound like I'm bitter. And I'm, I'm, no, I'm not really. As I say, what's in a name? And this really isn't about me, it's about you. Because you will benefit greatly if you think of me as a person and not an object. Now, don't start making up names for me and calling me things like Henry Spirit or Floyd or I am not the Force, all right? <laughs> but you know what? I do like the old joke about Forrest Gump getting into heaven. Um, a few of you have heard it, but more of you haven't. So it's one of those pop quiz jokes where you have to answer a question in order to get into heaven, as if. So uh, on the day that Forrest Gump dies, the question to get into heaven is, what is God's name? Well, Forrest doesn't bat an eye. And he says, God's name is Andy. <laughs> and for some reason, it's always Peter who's administering these quizzes. And Peter's never heard this answer before and asks, asks Forrest how on God's green earth God's name could possibly be Andy. And Forrest just smiles and says, Andy walks with me, Andy talks with me, Andy tells me I am his own. Don't call me Andy. <laughs> Don't call me it. It'll do wonders for our relationship if I'm, if I'm a he or a him to you. And even as I say that, I have to say, we transcend gender. When I say that you bear our image, it's after you're both around. We don't say that when there's just Adam. It's when male and female are present because it takes both flavors of you to fully reflect our image. And this is the 21st century. So if you feel closer to me or identify more with me by making me the, the female side of the Trinity and want to call me her and she, you go right ahead might get some pushback in your community, but not from me. I just asked that for tonight, let's hold on to the male pronoun. Tomorrow, do what you like, because tonight is a special occasion. I don't usually have a body, which is a good thing. Don't get me wrong, bodies are good things. Actually, I made them, and when I made them, I didn't call them good, I called them very good. But every body is extremely limited. I mean, one location at a time? That is so not me. 
this is why Yeshua, at the end of his ministry, said he had to leave before I could come. This is not some Clark Kent Superman kind of thing going on. This is because we had to be removed from the limitations of time and space, all three of us, so that I could then come the way I am and dwell within all of you, dwell within everyone who's been washed by the blood of Yeshua. More about that in a moment. For us, though, this is all a recent development. You see, I've been here for long before what you call the beginning, where I moved over the waters in verse 2 of Genesis. So my dwelling within the human heart is very recent for us in terms of time. Speaking of time, were you here in time to hear Amy's reading of the passage of where I move into the temple after Solomon's completed it in, in fanfare and power and mystery? I love that story. I go and I dwell within the Holy of Holies. There I am above the ark between the cherubim, right where their wings meet in the mercy seat. I was in the exact same place before in the tabernacle, essentially a very fancy tent that the temple replaced. Now, my presence in the tabernacle with the nation of Israel uh, represented a, a special relationship with them. Uh, a relationship that we uh, we began with them just following up the, the covenant we had made with Abraham. A covenant we made with you in mind. We took that relationship to another level when we, uh, when we took Israel out of Egypt and redeemed them with Moses and then displayed and revealed ourselves and our holy perfection to them through our law. We entered into an even deeper relationship with them then, symbolized by the Ark of the Covenant. And when we took our place upon the mercy seats of the Ark of the Covenant, it was a singular moment in all of time. The first time since after the Great Fall, we were able to dwell among our people in a way like that. But obviously, I'm still extremely limited by time and space, yes, but also by my holiness and perfection, or rather, by your lack of holiness and perfection. Oh, we had walked together in the garden back in the, in the beginning when, when you were holy the way I had made you, and, and we were crazy about you then, so in love with you, in fact, that, that I gave you freedom. I gave you choice. Thinking you were choosing freedom, which I fear that's what sin feels like. Instead, you chose slavery instead. And in that moment, when your innocence and holiness were, were forfeit, we were separated from you. Because I am holy and cannot join with that which is not. And so after that moment, the only time we could dwell among people was for a, a place to be made, made ready for us, to be, be made holy and pure by sacrifice. Uh, this is what the tabernacle and, and then the temple provided, constructed according to our precise direction. Uh, the mercy seat within them was the only place on earth where we could dwell, where I bided my time, awaiting the fullness you would be ready and we could finally bring our relationship, our covenant with humanity to its thrilling final level. And so on the heels of her chat with my messenger Gabriel, I paid a visit to a young teenage virgin named Mary. I began Yeshua's mortal life on earth and then watched him grow, watched him learn what it felt like to be mortal. I was finally able to join him one day at the Jordan River when Yeshua chose to step into his purpose and destiny and stepped down into that river and allowed John to baptize him. We were all three there in that moment as I descended upon Yeshua to take my place within him and Yahweh proclaimed for all to hear, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. 
And in that moment, our plan, our covenant with humanity took a major step forward. You see, our law had had fulfilled its purpose, conveying a, a detailed definition of holiness while at the same time helping humanity understand that you could never reach that holiness on your own. Helping humanity uh, feel in its depths how badly you need us. And I said this body isn't, isn't bad. It's, it's not. But, but this body... Um, this body is from a time zone three hours away, <laughs> and it usually is in bed for a, a good couple hours by now, and uh, and it can't remember what's next, and it and its eyes aren't working either. It has to go get its reading glasses. It'll be right back. How you guys deal with mortality every day is beyond me. <laughs> yes, yes, oh, of course he did. You see, Yeshua gave flesh, blood, and bone to this holiness that's in the law. He lived it right before your very eyes. He taught it. He modeled the holiness that you were designed to live in and thrive in. And then when you didn't, because you couldn't, he did what had to be done. Just as the mercy seat was made holy and fit for my presence by sacrifice, you were made holy. separated the Holy of Holies from the rest that had served as my boundary in the previous covenant, ready to unleash the new. I broke right into the covenant. Because we had to wait. After that darkest day the world or we had ever known, I could barely wait for the first bird song to signal dawn that Sunday morning when the promised time would be fulfilled and I could finally breathe life back into Yeshua's body, breathe my eternal, unquenchable life into him and raise him from the dead to eternal resurrection. Now, I had raised people before, but this was different. They were all going to die again, but not this time, not Yeshua. And because of his perfect, faithful righteousness while he lived out his mortal life, and because of his willing sacrifice at the hands of our own children upon the cross, and then because of my raising Yeshua from the dead to eternal resurrection, the final age, the final covenant had come. After Yeshua ascended into heaven, his followers prayed together, asking us for wisdom and guidance, asking me to show them the way and fulfill Yeshua's promises about me. And so, 50 days after the festival of Passover that marked redemption by the blood of the Lamb, I was finally unleashed and able to dwell within the hearts of the followers of Yeshua, the hearts of those who had been cleansed by his blood. I descended upon them in that upper room with flames of fire and rushing wind, erupting in tongues of joy and praise bursting with them out into the open air, proclaiming with them the long-awaited news that life and love had come in Yeshua, and that in slaying him, sin and death had been slain themselves. The news that all a person's sin and guilt could be washed away by his sacrifice, and that eternal peace be found in his blood, 
found by turning aside from former ways, turning to us and being born again in water and in spirit. The promise rang out from the lips of Peter and the others that day that those who repented and were baptized would not only receive the forgiveness of their sins, but that I would descend upon them and dwell within them as well, just as I had descended I was able to dwell within every heart, cleansed by his blood, claiming each one as a beloved child of the Most High, sealing each one of you with my eternal life, life you had with us in the garden, but then lost in your sin. But, but life is yours now, my eternal gift to every one of you. I am here, I am with you forever. Also here, and I think this is my favorite part, I am also here to, to guide and equip each of you into becoming the person you were meant to be in the first place, before the fall. You are each a unique masterpiece crafted by my hands to reflect my image and glory as only you can in all of time. That's a sentence to write down. You are a unique masterpiece crafted by my hands to reflect my glory and likeness as only you can in all of time. What a noble calling. What an adventure. What a mess. Yeah. <laughs> Because even though the blood of Yeshua has made you perfectly holy, and even though I dwell within you, we don't wave a magic wand over your will, your chooser, when you come to us. And no, ma no matter how old or young you are when you come to us, your chooser has become quite accustomed to making selfish choices. It's a habit. All of them. And, and from the very beginning, our gift of choice to you has been a hallmark of our love for you. And so even though I am infinite power and can do anything I want and I dwell within you, I am not going to make you choose or do anything. We're partners. I supply the power, you supply the choices. I supply the freedom, you are free to obey. You're free to do right, you're free to say no to your flesh like you never were, you never were before I dwelt within you. But I will not obey for you, that's your doing. You know what? I, let, Let's have a demonstration. I, I need I need a helper from the audience. Let's go alphabetically and choose Ambrose. Can you help? Can you come up and help us, please? Now I know Ambrose better than he knows himself, just like I know the rest of you. I know his heart. I know how much he loves us. I know how much he loves to praise us. I also know he's a little on the quiet side. And so in the midst of his praise of us, I'm not going to move him to raise his arms, even though there's all kinds of people that find this posture meaningful and makes them feel closer and connected to me. Instead, I'm going to do something else with him. Not that I don't do this with the hand raising too, but, but as, he praise, as he praises, I'm going to point out a, a turn of phrase that has special meaning for him. Or bring a powerful memory back. Or as he sings to us about how much he loves us, I'll whisper in his ear, I love you too, my brother. And 
you will feel my embrace in that moment as surely as it does now. Now, I'm going to call him down different paths in his life, just like I'm calling you down different paths in yours. Some of those calls are toward mere suggestions. Others are toward my deepest desires. But no matter what's at stake, I'm never going to force you to go on any path or journey. Instead, if you hear my call, I'll walk beside you and hold you up if the path on which I call you is difficult. This is especially true if my call takes you to places or into the lives of people the world would rather pretend didn't exist. This is where we do some of our finest work, down in the grind with the have-nots and the outcasts who need to be overwhelmed. There are places I call you where you could never go without me, where you wouldn't have the strength. And that is where we, we shine the most like Yeshua together. Because I was with him like this down in the grind in that moment when he, the mighty maker, stoops down and washed the feet of those short selfish, quintessentially human apostles. The way I was with him later that night in the Garden of Gethsemane when he wrestled with his own call. And let me tell you, I will never call you to any place without going with you there myself. Now as to hearing possibilities are closed them in order to make our desire clear. Others, though, frankly, I have to hit upside the head because they, they are not asking for direction and are either not going anywhere or going the wrong way entirely. I'm, I'm not going to hit you upside the head. <laughs> you certainly don't need an amen. I think they understand. Thank you. Now, in addition to large-scale calls that change the course of your life in a moment. I'm also very interested and involved in very mundane, ordinary, day-to-day -day things that can change your life one day at a time. Oh, I delight in dramatic upheavals, in breathtaking accomplishments, and mountaintop experiences. But I find deep joy in quiet mornings with you in your favorite chair building you up week to week in your times of worship, humming a, an old hymn or a new praise song with you in the car, dropping just the right scripture in your mind at the right time, building you up in your relationships with your brothers and sisters, your spouse, your children. I am with you in all these mundane moments as well. And you will actually help us both if you acquire a few things to help us in moments like that. Now, Paul and I wrote that those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. Those who live according to the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. How to know what I desire? Well, obviously, you start with my word. You guys are good at that. Yes, do have that daily time in the Bible. And intellectual study is, is fine, but, but you need to spend time in the Word asking it to show me to you. Asking it to make me more a part of your life. And as you ask those questions of your text, of my text, the passages that speak those powerful moments to you, those are the ones I want you to put to memory. That's right. 
old, old school. There's no school like the old school. Because if you do that, then just like the old memory verses in Bible camp about salvation, nothing against those. But the verses about your walk with me can be used any moment, any time without us having to stop and wait for you to look them up on your phone again. Now, as far as determining what I desire, there's a lot more to it than just Bible study. Paul and I also wrote, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And here's what I mean by that. In the course of any given day, a great deal of how you think and feel is determined by what you choose to bring into your heart. As with all other things, I do not choose what you've consumed. Usually some form of media these days. So that choice is yours. A choice often made without much deliberate thought but driven more by corporate marketing than intention. Never has there been so much that you can pour into your heart. Never has so much vacuous drivel or deadly poison been passed on as noble and noteworthy. Ask yourself at the end of each day, what have I taken into my heart through my eyes and ears today? Huh? Yeshua taught the eye is the lamp of the body, that which enlightens all of your life. So if what you've taken in is life, is noble, is excellent, is praiseworthy, builds up, then all of your life will be built up your physical body, your soul, your walk with me. However, if what you take in through your eyes and ears is not noble and has no redeeming qualities and no light or in fact is darkness, you will find yourself in a fog of darkness before long as well. A place the enemy delights to draw you into one considered mundane click at a time and you forget for a moment then a day then a month that I am still right here with you you forget that you are in fact the temple in which I now dwell you somehow have the sense that because you're no longer aware of me, I'm no longer with you. How you feel does not determine whether or not I keep my covenant promise to dwell within you forever. And I am not subject to the whim of your awareness. I am subject to witness everything delivered you from. You hear the siren song of the enemy of alleged pleasure and indulge in things that make you feel further and further away from me. And therein lies the, the enemy's greater victory. Worse than your sin is the fact that you feel, you feel so far away with me that you forget who you are. You forget all the truth your life is based on. You forget that those who are in Christ are a new creation. The old is gone. Stop going back to it. The new has come. But the enemy fosters this sense in you that I am far away when I never left. You have left me no room to move in your life any longer. No choices to empower. You don't hear my whispers you don't respond to all manner of interventions I arrange in order to nudge you back towards me. To remind you that, that you are sacred. You are a holy place. 
Yeshua, dealing with the temple, was filled with unholy things. He cleaned pots. Was this a gradual process? No. It was firm and decisive. And there's someone here tonight that is here because it's time to be firm and decisive and to set the old life behind you forever. I will help you with that. You have to ask them. But I have far greater things to do, my friend. It is an age-old battle and one that you have to ask for more of me in order to, to have victory. And how did you, Yeshua put it in Luke 11? He basically said, you know you're evil, right? As evil as you are, you know how to give good gifts to your children. If this is so, then the Father in heaven, who is not evil, by the way, will give the Holy Spirit how much more to those who ask now, I wonder, don't raise your hands, or, well, no, don't raise your hands. When's the last time you asked the Father for more of me? Hmm? Hmm? Fear not, ask away. And right after that, as long as you're asking us for things, you know, Yeshua and Yahweh tell me everything, and vice versa. So try speaking to me directly. For a change, won't you? And that will really help this awareness that is actually really helpful for you. Because the important things about your life and our relationship with you is your choice. Your choice about seeking us, listening to us, and speaking to us. When you seek us, seek us across your whole bandwidth, not just your mind, but your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Choose my ways so that I can, I can empower your walk and make your life more like the life of Jesus. Yeshua is yours. His holiness is yours. His grace is yours already. There are so many ways to look at our life together. From the very beginning, obviously, I've been partial to the garden metaphor. You know, bearing fruit is something that happens when you, when you maintain the proper conditions over a long period of time, especially when the fruit you're talking about is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. keeping an eye out for weeds so they don't come in and choke the fruit away. And we all know it's far easier to, to pull a weed when it's just starting before it takes root and causes everyone lots of pain when it's pulling. You know the weeds I'm talking about. The fertile soil is never an accident. So think about what you're putting into the soil of your heart whether or not it's enriching or polluting and watering. Lots of watering. Lots of living water. Amy, how does my songbook start? Planted by streams of water, 
Their leaves never fade, and they bear fruit. Now, in addition to the, to the, the fruit we've been talking about that makes you look more like Yeshua, Yeshua promised another kind of fruit when he promised my coming. He said, you will receive spirit, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And most of you I'm not calling to the ends of the earth. But I am calling you to bear witness to me where you live, where the ends of the earth come to your doorway now. I'm calling you to choose to bear witness to those around you of your life with me and my life with you. Choose to bear witness to those that I, I nudge you towards and I promise you I will give you the words. Time and again, I did that to the apostles and others who were on trial, in trials of life and death. I can handle Starbucks and your workplace and the dinner table. You just have to remember, remember to ask me, and I'll be nudging you all over the place. And always remember, remember who it is that dwells within you in my temples. I am the blaze of the burning bush, the pillar of fire, the tongues of flame. If you have been cleansed by the blood of Yeshua, why burn within you? I am the rushing wind, invisible yet clearly seen in my movement just as the leaves reveal in the breeze. And if you have been cleansed by the blood of Yeshua, I stir within you. I am the river of living water, an unquenchable source of of renewal and restoration, the source of eternal life that raised Yeshua from the dead forever. And if you have been cleansed by the blood of Yeshua, I flow within you. I am ready to unleash more than you can ask or imagine, but you have got to ask. You have got to open yourselves to me and give me back the throne of your heart. Surrender. That's your part. Surrender to me every day. Ask me to pour my promises out on you and wait till you see what happens. My friends, let's be partners in your life. And let's raise a garden that amazes the people around you, that points to me and Yeshua and Yahweh as they see your love, joy, peace, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Because you are a unique masterpiece crafted by my hands to reflect my image and glory as only you can in all of time. And I really am crazy. start by thanking you for not striking me dead by taking your name and speaking poison to me. At the same time, I thank you for the amazing life that you have given us that we only scratch the surface of. Lord, bless us each in our journeys. Help us to, to surrender more fully to you. Help us to pursue our relationship with you intentionally. Give us the courage to, to let go of our old selves. And Lord, in, in this moment of privacy, Lord, I, I just want to give my brothers and sisters this opportunity 
if you want in this moment to surrender more fully to the Spirit, raise one of your hands. And if this is a moment that you want to look back to and say, this is where I decided to clean the temple and settle no longer for the old self, but step into the power of the new, raise your other hand. This is between us and you, Lord. Lord, help us to be mindful, to guard our hearts, to, to mind the things we consume, but also, also to live lives of generosity and love and kindness. And let all your fruit be born in us, that those who see it may give glory to you and want to know why we're so different. We praise you. We glorify your name and pray that do worship you with who we become, that we make the most of what you've given us. Take back the thrones of our hearts and let us live as your children every day of our life. We surrender ourselves, our lives, and our, our hope to you. In Jesus' name. Imagine Jesus is sitting next to you, uh, parable, which is fine, but nobody ever imagines the Spirit, you know, for all the things we talked about in terms of mysteriousness and all that stuff. So. But we have a better chance of Him being closer.
remarkable crescendo just throughout the whole Old Testament as you see the plan growing and moving towards these specific points that, that it feels to me that all three of them have just been waiting for the critical mass to be reached when finally we can start this line. So I, I appreciate your, your commenting on that. Like the gentle, gentle lovingness that was portrayed um, by, by you, our spirit, this evening. Well, that, that image of walking in the garden I think is one of the most important and powerful ones, even though it's 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 fleeting. There's just kind of a cryptic reference to it, but but there's the impression that Yahweh comes every afternoon when the breeze is cool and walks with Adam and Eve, and all that that encapsulates relationally and um, just I can't think of another word. I'm so tired, but but I, I think that's that that's a touchstone that I keep going back to over and over as simple and as fleeting as that moment is in the morning. And I tried to characterize that that's what the spirit was, was hoping to get back to, that, that he, he had tasted that sweetness and that's what he wanted to get out with us. And he has it. Hallelujah. Well, I, I don't want to keep anyone uh, late. I, I, I don't know how late they serve pie, but there may still be a chance to to get pie. I, I thank you for your presence and your and your participation and pleasure to share him.